Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Casey. Hello, everyone. We've got another heavy hitter that we are reviewing today, uh, a movie that I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you are a Disney fan, you have seen this movie. If you're a Disney fan and you haven't seen this movie, I don't have words. I think we broke Matt. I thought you were going to go down the rabbit hole and say it's a tale as old as time, but apparently not. Uh, you completely missed that opportunity. But uh, no, it's a tale as old as time. And um, I will also say it's a requested episode that has been on our radar for a little bit of time. I know Sharif, your daughter, has requested. You got you sent me this cute little uh, voice recording of her saying, when are you going to do a Beauty and the Beast episode? And I kept saying, it's coming it's coming so it's finally here and so we invite you in to be our guests to the beauty and the beast review welcome in gosh that was a way better intro than what i had <laughs> I, I, I was like i for sure thought you were gonna do you know tales all the time be our guest welcome in there's so many ways we could do this and, and here's the reason why because when you say those things people know what you're referencing i mean people absolutely know what you're referencing so again like you said this is a heavy hitter i mean we've hit aladdin uh we've hit frozen we've hit a couple of other big ones this is a big deal mainly because it's one of the very first movies uh to get nominated for an academy award i believe for best picture if i'm not mistaken it is the first animated movie to be nominated for best picture and really we we, like I, i i cannot stress enough how big of a deal that is animated films don't get nominated for best picture and and you can argue whether that's right or wrong i mean they but they, they just don't the academy doesn't uh, doesn't they've do since they've since created a category to be able to handle animated films that's why you don't ever see them in the best picture film exactly yeah they you know there is the animated film now but i want to say um, um there's been a couple of animated films that have found best picture but they were not favorites they obviously didn't win but the that the academy would recognize this movie as one of the however many nominees uh you know 10 or under for best picture it, it really speaks to how good this movie is. And I'll be honest, I watched it again. And every time I watch this movie, I am struck with how good it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a solid movie that again, you know, we talk about villains and we, you know, at some point you think the beast is a villain. Then you realize the beast isn't the villain. You, then you see Gaston's really kind of a villain, but he's not really a villain, but he kind of is. Like, And then you look at the just how visually stunning the movie is. And then, of course, you layer that on with just the music. The music itself is, you know, we talk about how good Disney music is, you know, overall. This is probably one of the best Disney soundtracks. There's not a song on here that is not toe tapping makes you kind of think through it or sing through it. You know, I can think of other movies, you know, like little mermaid's got some great songs, but I want to say every song in little mermaid is going to be one of those memorable songs. This in Aladdin, I think have some of the most memorable songs of that era. 
And I'll take it even one step further. It's not just the songs, but it's the score. I mean, right from the outset that... That, like, with the piano, with all that stuff, like, whenever I hear that, like, I'm getting chills right now just after I just sung it. Um, You, you feel the the mystery of it being set up that narrator narrates that opening so well once upon a time in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. So it's not just about the the sung musical numbers, but it's also about the atmosphere that the the, the classical music creates. Here, here's the the music major in me coming out. It it sets the tone for the movie, and throughout the movie, that theme continues. Like when the beast then is transforming, that theme comes back. It's Everything about the movie is just so, so well done. I'm sure we're going to get more specifics, but that that's one of them that just, oh, oh, I love it. That particular score that you're referring to, too, a lot of people don't realize that that, that song that you just hummed, that opening sequence, is actually found in the France Pavilion at Epcot. It's part of their suite. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, the uh, impressions to France. So, but I agree with you, everything. And again, when you think about the actual sung music, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I know Alan Menken is credited by as the music, but um, Howard Ashman um, played a huge, huge role in um, the lyrics in this, right? And if you, if you, did you watch the, um, did you watch the special on Disney Plus yet, Howard? I have not. Casey, I haven't watched the Imagineering story. <laughs> so Howard is all about the genius that is Howard Ashman. And I highly recommend anybody to, you know, it's about an hour and a half long. And again, I know you're not a big documentary guy, but it's all about his life. It's about his time, you know, uh, living as an LGBT American in that time period, how, you know, AIDS, all that stuff. But how through all of that, he was able to focus on his work and his work was really what lifted him up. And, and towards the end that he wasn't traveling to California, that the production team was traveling to him in New York and they were doing a lot of this stuff in New York and, and that his ability to write songs and music um, that were lyrical as this, there's a couple of scenes in this documentary where you actually see Angela Lansbury and Jerry Orbach as they're singing, be our guest. You, you're actually, it's footage behind the scenes, footage of them singing, be our guest. And wow, that's cool. Oh, it's, it, they got the orchestra there. And again, you as a music major, as a classical music major, you would, you would absolutely find this absolutely just astonishing to watch how some of this stuff came together. So I want to start specifically so that the scene when Dahl's walking through the village, right? That was never going to be um, a musical scene. That was never originally intended to be a musical scene. It was meant to be a simple, straightforward walkthrough. The lines were going to get said. It was it was meant to be maybe a thirty to a minute, thirty seconds to a minute long of a scene just setting up who Bell was. And Howard Ashman said, I can make this musical and I can turn this suddenly into a five minute thing. I can't 
picture this movie without that scene. That scene is so iconic. Just watch, I'm going to make Belle my And it, again, sets up the movie so well. Like, I mean, yeah. that, that yeah, it, it, it does. It, it, and gives you an idea of, you know, a little bit character development, but then also a good musical number at the beginning really gets you kind of immersed in the film, in my opinion, and and really kind of, I mean, a one jump ahead in Aladdin does does kind yeah, of the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and again, it, like you said, it sets her up. It sets the whole premise of what's going on. It sets Gaston up. You know, it really kind of sets up where the, you know, the, this, this village, this small little village is all about. And then, you know, from there, again, we talk about the artistry of the movie too. The artistry of the movie in terms of how beautifully drawn it is. I, I feel like this particular movie is much more bright or brighter than some of the other movies of that time. I feel like the animation feels more bright than you might find even in an Aladdin or Little Mermaid, which felt a little bit darker. Again, it was under the sea, so that makes sense. Or even some of the movies that came, you know, again, after Beauty and the Beast, this just has a bright, very melodic, just kind of sunny-filled feel to it. Even in the castle to some degree, I feel like it's got that. And when they're outside and they're in the, the winter and they're doing the, you know, there's something strange, you know, that, that part, it just, it feels the way it was drawn is much brighter. Yeah, I agree. So, um, favorite parts, favorite characters, favorite, whatever, what, what you got? Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> this, this is one of those movies that's in your mind for so long and in your memory bank for so long that, everything kind of melds together at some point, you know? Um, yeah, I, hear you. I, 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 I would say that I love how I think Belle in a lot of ways is the first of the Disney princesses to finally stand up for herself. I know Ariel kind of does a little bit. Ariel kind of dreams about a world that is, you know, that, that, that's that she doesn't have right now, but Belle, I mean, Belle takes, the bull by the horns or the beast by the horns in this case. And, you know, Maurice is in the prison and she's like, take me. Like I, I substitute myself. Like she, she kind of has this courage of conviction and she's not afraid to stand up to this absolutely menacing beast when she, when he's growling at her and demanding that he comes out, she comes down for dinner. I just love that bell kind of ushers in this new era of, princess like she's not looking for a man like you know in a traditional disney movie gaston probably would have won her over you know not here so i i would say i'm a huge huge fan of that so yeah how about you i mean we talked about in top 10 disney songs be our guest is just one of my favorite songs i really just i just like it um i i lumiere as a character is very fun um you know he's the optimist in all of this where it's what if she is the one and um trying to create an atmosphere that helps break the curse and and i enjoy that character i i i really do enjoy Gaston as a villain because so many people have pointed out to me well Gaston's not a real villain he's just trying to you know win the girl's heart and I'm like well yeah but 
a he he does it in a semi creepy way yeah. and but b i love what i love about him though is the bravado at which he comes into it as and this is even more pronounced in uh the broadway show he actually has a song the the scene where he goes and proposes to bell for the first time and the movie is just a, a dialogue scene but in uh the the broadway it's a song called me and i'm not going to sing the whole thing but it starts out with you've been dreaming just one dream nearly all your life and basically just goes on of the like your dreams are coming true. I, me, am here to ask you to marry me. Oh my gosh, this is so great for you. And and, and I, I just love the bravado that he has of, yeah, you're just going to, this is your lucky day. You're going to marry me. What more could you want? It's just very funny. Share all that love implies. We shall be the perfect pair. Face to face with destiny. Yeah. You know, and speaking of the musical, this is one of those things I think it's important to call out too that, you know, not every Disney movie gets a musical. I mean, it's very rare that, you know, a Disney animated movie gets a musical. And this was actually one of the first. Uh, and it's, I mean, my God, it started in, in 1993 in Houston. And I mean, it's it ran through 2010. I want to say it looks like from what I'm seeing, it had Long a fourth, time. fourth U.S. tour. I mean, it it has grossed, you know, time after time after time, countless amount of money. And then of course you turn around and realize it also got the live action movie treatment as well. 2017 brought about probably this is probably one of the very few times that fans cried out for a live action adaptation a lot of times many of them are saying we don't want it we don't want it this was one of the ones that they absolutely wanted you know at a budget of 160 to approximately 255 million it grossed 1.264 million dollars and i believe although i know you don't because yours is cinderella i believe that of all the live actions other than probably um, the Jungle Book, which was my favorite, I think of all the live actions I've seen so far, this one and Aladdin are right up there. This one beats out Aladdin for me. I think the only thing that I don't like about this particular adaption, I don't think Emma um, Emma Watson as Belle singing is as strong. But my God, to try to compare her to uh, Paige O'Hara singing in the original is going to be impossible task. And I think... Emma Watson probably relies a little too heavy on the, um, on you know the, the voice thing that manipulates the voice. But other than that, I thought I loved this live action adaptation. Um, I loved the little bit of tidbits they added in there about her mom. I like the frozen in time bit. I liked all that. I thought it added a lot of exposition and character. See, I I am not as high on the live action. Really. It's not bad. I, I, it's not a bad movie. It is not a bad thing. Because what you just said, the, the, the bit about her mom, the frozen in time, I, I like what they added into it. But this was my nervousness when they announced a live action reboot. It was, there are so many things in the original movie that are amazing that now you're going to try to recreate. And it just doesn't it does not reach the level of of it for me now let me let me give a, a counter example aladdin you look at that soundtrack and i listen to some of the songs on that 
And like Prince Ali, perfect example. I know you you agree with me on this. Mm-hmm. Prince Ali in the new movie, I'm like, mm, this is pretty good. I, I might like this better than I like Prince Ali from the original um, animated movie. And so yeah. you take that and you plus it up. There is not a moment in live action Beauty and the Beast that I'm like, I like this better. I would agree with you on the music. The music from the, the animated movie is by far superior. But I do think that I enjoy the live action non-music scenes just as much and maybe even more a little bit in some cases i think that again it fleshes it out i was not keen on the beast solo in the live action movie i wasn't a huge fan of that mainly because i just it didn't it felt out of place to me with him um i loved however josh gad's performance of lefou i thought that actually i will say that scene of gaston and LeFou when they're singing in the tavern is far superior than the one than the, 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 the animated movie one. The, wait, time out. You think Gaston is better in live action? Oh, 100%. 100%. That, that no, whole no, toe no, no, tapping, no, no, no. that whole dancing on the table thing by far is better in the live action movie than the animated movie. It, I, I, you I really disagree. don't think so? Really? I, no, I, I, again, I, I am, I, it's, it's good. It, it's, it's, I do not want to say it is bad, but, um, one of the things that I don't like is, and I really like Josh Gad, but in this song, he, Josh Gads it up a little bit too much, where at the end he's like spelling out Gaston's name and it's, you know, G-A-S-T, I believe there's another T. It just occurred to me that I'm illiterate and I never had actually had to spell it out before. I'm like, this is... I, I don't like that, though. I think that's what makes it so fun is that LeFou's not just this random side character. He gets a little bit more of a story, which I think is great. Maurice gets a little bit more of a story in this one. I, I, I again, I think that's just why I like it. Because here, you know, when you think about the other live actions, Lion King, Aladdin, a lot, uh, they, a lot of times they get bashed because they're literally shot for shot remakes of the original. Beauty and the Beast is not. Beauty and the Beast is there. There are a lot of moments in there that are the same, but the director did take some risk. And I think in a lot of ways, the risk paid off. Well, one, one thing I will say about the live action is they do flesh out Gaston's villainy a little bit more, mm-hmm. that he has a little bit more of a villainous twinge to him than just a, I'm a guy who wants to get married. Um, but I, I just think in general, the, the, the live action, just every time I see it, I'm like, eh, that's fine. Eh, fine. And, and some of it is, there's some things that are just, in my mind, better animated. And candlesticks, clocks, teapots, and other things like that just look better animated. They, I agree. It, it, I agree. The animation weird. was, yeah, the, the weird incarnations of Lumiere and, and Cogsworth and even Mrs. Potts, you know, with the flat face was just kind of weird. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I, I don't know. I, I like the story better, but okay. Enough about the live action. We're really supposed to be talking about the animated movie. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an all encompassing thing. Well, here's one of the ways that I judge the success or failure of a particular franchise is how long lasting does it live past its past its prime right so if this came out in 91 
you know, there, you know, Little Mermaid came out, Aladdin came out, um, you know, those were pretty big hits. But then you look at things like Hercules, you look at things like Pocahontas, you look at things like Mulan, they were big then. They don't have as much of a following. Now, when you look at the way Disney parks, for example, merchandises and in the parades and the music that they play in the background and the different types of things that they showcase. I mean, just take Fantasmic. You and I are both fans of Fantasmic. Not every princess is in Fantasmic, right? The scenes when the boats are kind of going back and forth, Tale as old as time, the Beauty and the Beast dancing on the boat is one of three princesses dancing on the boat, right? That's because this has had such a long lasting legacy. When you think, I mean, you and I both worked at the Disney store, what was always, you know, what were your top three, really, besides Frozen, what were your top three princess dresses? Belle. Belle, Belle, Belle. Belle, uh, Little Mermaid, and Rapunzel, I think, were your typically your top three, right? Um, The other ones, Snow White was popular around Halloween time when she came out, but there was a reason why Disney didn't keep her around except during Halloween time because she wouldn't have sold otherwise. But Belle was consistently around and consistently a top selling dress, you know, save for, for frozen. So well, and not just, and not yeah. just dresses, but you're talking dolls and play sets and anything with bell in it mm-hmm. sold better. It just, it, it did. I mean, how many of, how many of those little or beauty and the beast tea carts do we sell every holiday season? This little plastic tea cart that's got Lumiere C and be our guest on it. Yep. I put more than one of those together in my time. I know you have too. And, you betcha. And, and, you know, we would get these in there 50 bucks a piece. They'd be marked down to 30 bucks on Black Friday or whatever, right? And we'd blow through hundreds of these during the holiday season, every holiday season. It's the same thing. It's the it same exact same thing. I think every year they might change the frosting on the cupcakes. It might change to a different color. I don't know. But other than that, same thing. I think one year, Mrs. Yeah. Potts, you could press down on her on her teapot, and it looked like it was bubbling tea or something. I think Ooh, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, even the one year where um, we did more Beauty and the Beast things, adults too. I mean, because again, you're looking at millennials, people our age. This was a movie that we grew up on, and now these are our favorite characters. Um, you know, Belle is a very popular princess amongst your millennials because that's who. Uh, they connected with at that time. And even you look at the parks where, I mean, the Be Our Guest restaurant is a, that is a hard reservation to get. Have you ever eaten there? I have. In fact, I got a hot tip for you if you ever go back. You ready? Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe me. That's delicious. <laughs> Come on. You didn't see that coming. Come on. Like, oh, here's how to get a reservation. Here's the food you should get. Here's the wine you should get. I actually, I do, I do have a hot tip, though. If you're going to eat there, I do recommend eating lunch service, not dinner service. Uh, dinner service has actually recently turned uh, changed over to a pre-fixed dinner. So, yeah. You know, it's kind of a three-course dinner. You get your in and you're out, and that's it. Where lunch, you get a little bit more freedom to choose what you want. The one thing with lunch, though, that you don't get is you don't get to meet Belle and the Beast. So if that's kind of on your bucket list of things to do, then, yeah, go to dinner. But lunch, I enjoy lunch. Lunch is actually kind of a nice little respite there. You know, I always get – I think I get, like, the the, the steak or the pulled steak or whatever it is. I can't remember. It's really good. And the French onion soup there, if you've never had it, is to die for 
Yeah. When I went uh, in my, I believe I said this on the podcast, but um, unfortunately this was one of those, we, we had a reservation and my wife had to leave early um, due to a medical reason. And so I, I ate at the beer guest restaurant by myself. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sitting at a table and, and uh, thank goodness, uh, Kyle, my server was Kyle. Bless that man. He made <laughs> me feel not awkward and bless the family next to me that talked to me and the couple next to me that talked to me for like five or 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> because otherwise I was just a dude eating a fancy steak and drinking some wine and having gray stuff, which is delicious, by the way. <laughs> Uh, in in this giant castle, but it, it was great. I, I hi, highly recommend, even if you're not a Beauty and the Beast fan, do do that. Put that on your list of Disney things to do. All right. So before we kind of start to wrap this up, I do have a gripe with the movie. And this Ooh. is a gripe that has been raised by many a people, and it, it's important that if we're talking about this, we point it out. He is supposed to find love by his 21st birthday on his 21st birthday, by the time that rose petal falls, right? That means the old woman curses an 11 year old boy. Yes. How is that possible? How can you hold an 11 year old boy? And by the way, in those little, in the stained glass pictures, he doesn't look to be 11 years old, by the way, he looks to be a grown grown man, but how do you curse an 11 year old boy? And why the heck is an 11 year old boy answering the door by himself anyway? <laughs> there's there's a lot of questions that I have about the hierarchy of who's doing what in this castle, but okay. Um, being a uh, being a parent of a uh, not an eleven year old yet, but a two year old, th- there are some times where I I, I can understand uh, why an enchantress might be a little bit rash. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you saying you want an enchantress to come curse your child? My <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like that's bad to say. I feel like that's going to like um, um, people are going to start worrying about my child. No, I don't want to like curse my child. But um, uh, 11 year olds can be uh, kind of bratty at times. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, this, this this is a little bit problematic. And but I think what that shows is how terrible he must have been to her. And this is one thing that they do kind of update in the live action where he's not a kid. He's clearly a grown adult. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think it was one of those in 1991, we weren't as concerned with that kind of level of detail. It was just like, okay, you know what? Before his 21st birthday, uh, he's got to he's he's got to uh, make someone fall in love with him, and and it 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 wasn't thinking the people writing the film weren't thinking about oh that means he's eleven like that's something that we've kind of realized down the road when we've started to nitpick more movies. I just think that was kind of uh, people weren't thinking about that kind of stuff in 1991. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, and I think the live action movie fixes it a little bit because he's more like a bratty teenager in the live action one. So I think it fixes a little bit. So here's my second gripe. Why is some of the furniture in the movie residents of the castle who have been enchanted and other furniture in the movie, not like, how do we know that when one of those things gets broken in the movie, it's not like some random resident of the castle getting killed or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, that's where this movie can have a very dark turn where if everything is enchanted and he's, destroying those things that's a a real 
a real thing. Um, I, I guess I'm going to resurrect this segment here. Um, you heard it on our Kingdom Hearts episode. I got a pitch for you. What would it look like to make a really intense movie that was those years as the Beast is just alone? Well, you, you know, so that first of all, that'd be amazing. Did you know that the Enchanted Christmas actually takes place in the middle of Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, it's that's actually a really good movie. I'll be honest; it's it's yeah. really fun. It's actually one of the highest rated sequels that Disney has. So, one more thing before we go. Um, I, I, do you have anything more before I, I roll out this last thing? I I mean, go watch this movie again. I, I'm sure we don't need to tell our listener base to go watch this movie, <laughs> but watch it again. Um, and and let us know. We need to put a poll up on our social medias of do you prefer the animated or the live action more? Even we could go more specifically the song Gaston. Which one do you prefer? I'd be very I, curious. I'd be okay this. putting that poll up. Which Gaston version do you prefer? I think it's really hard to say which of the two versions you prefer because again. I'm not saying the live action should replace the animated version. I'm just saying I like the live action version. I think sometimes live actions movies get a lot of criticism. That's really not, you know, we'll hear people say, Oh, you know why they got to replace the original. They're not replacing the original. They're putting a new one out there for a new generation of, of fandom. Right. So I, I'd be okay putting the one out there about the Gaston song. I'd be curious. To see Let's do it. Be on the lookout for that listeners. All right. So here's my last thing. Disney fans will probably know when I ask this question, what is the Beast's real name? Oh, Adam, right? Adam? So that is what the popular theory is, is that Adam is actually his real name. But people do not realize that he was never in the movie called Adam. He actually, when they wrote the movie, the script, all the movie producers have said over and over again, they never intended the Beast to actually have a name at all. He was simply just Beast. So the question is, where did the name Adam come from? Well, it's found in a couple of different spaces. In the book, Disney A to Z, there, there's a, um, he, you know, people think that he refers to him in there. Actually, the first time that Adam is referred to as in an interactive CD-ROM game from 1998 called The D Show. Salagadula. Salagadula. Menchkabula. Menchkabula. Makuna. Matata. Makuna Matata. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Huey. Pluto and Goofy and Dewey and Louie. Epcot and Toontown and Flubber. That's Billy. Everybody play The D Show. And it was a trivia question. And in that, the correct answer was, was Prince Adam. It was licensed by Disney out to a third-party service. So technically, it at that point became canon. But the, the actual producers of the movie never actually wanted his name to be Adam. But ever since then, that is what it is. He's now known as Prince Adam. What a wild way for that to become canon. <laughs> right? Seriously. I mean, it went a full seven years before before it was technically even thought about what his name would be. But uh, it's very similar to Snow White. Snow White's prince does not have a name. He's just the prince. Uh, does, haven't they named him since, though? Isn't he Florian? Isn't that, that one of those they retconned and said, no, he's actually Prince Florian? Uh, what is the prince from Snow White's <laughs> name? I don't <laughs> think so. Wasn't oh, that in? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Prince Ferdinand is his name. Ferdinand. 
Ferdinand. No, no. So that's what it says. Yeah. Did you know his name was Ferdinand? That's what it just came up in a Cosmo. We did that whole, there was the whole um, line at the Disney store of all the Disney princes, and there was the postcards. And, you know, of course, everyone else has oh, character. Well, right. Here we go. Official princes. Uh, Prince Florian, you're right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And- his, his postcard was never skip leg day, which doesn't make any sense, but there's no character development to do anything with. So, <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. A little history on the Disney princes, not princesses. So, all right. It's closing time, my friend. Uh, let us, how do they get a hold of us? If you want to send us an email, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Uh, you can join up on our social media pages, Facebook, Beers and Ears Podcast, Twitter, and Instagram, Beers Ears 1928. Uh, we'll be putting out uh, those polls uh, of which Gaston song do you think is better. Curious to hear the results. Um, as always, please rate and review us. Five stars, five stars. Thank you to the people that have already done it. And if you haven't done it, please take like just 30 seconds. It, it probably even less than that. Just give us a uh, throw up a five-star rating if you've got a little bit more time another 30 seconds leave us a quick review it doesn't have to be a long soliloquy you can just be like love this podcast um okay awesome and new episodes every tuesday and friday we also want to say thank you to our sponsors uh riss and cal the four frills line they've got a whole bunch of new stuff um currently on their website right now and if you use the promo code beers b-e-r-s you are going to be able to get 15 percent off of your purchase so they do invite you to be their guest just like the uh lumiere does to bell in the movie definitely check it out some great stocking stuffers in there matt i don't know if you've had a chance to look at some of the stuff yet or not but it's great stuff a little bit lower price stuff great you know cell phone accessories cell phone cases um things that would be great for stocking stuffers as we start to move into the holidays I did check all the pictures out, and ooh, there's some nice new stuff. So definitely head over uh, to our partners, Riss and Cal, the Four Frills, uh, fourfrills.com/shop. Uh, that uh, uh, check it out. There's lots of cool stuff. Like Casey said, holidays are coming up. Get uh, get those stocking stuffers now. Yeah, use beers promo code beers. Get your 15 percent off, and they've got free next day shipping, so it works out for you. All right, let's raise our glasses, my friend. This episode has been on us. We will see you again real soon. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.